Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. <laughs> perfect. I love it. You liked it? Yeah. Why are you laughing? Yeah, that was perfect. It was perfect. Was I can the, laugh if things are great. What was the wrong thing about it? <laughs> Nothing. Out of my own curiosity, was it the over-exaggeration or was it the fiducking? Just for like research purposes. <laughs> second one the fedeki yes because i couldn't chime in (laughs) okay welcome back to another episode of being an artist is fucking killing me not fucking killing me no if y'all are looking for a show to see this weekend we all know crystal pite pites (laughs) uh new show is in town but Something we should all also go to is uh, Split Bill, mm-hmm. which our dear friend Jamie Vallon um, is in. And you can buy tickets online. It's March 15th and 16th. And 2 p.m., 8 p.m. Yeah, 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. And uh, go support your local artists. Yeah. We're also going to talk about the garage no longer being a thing currently. Guys, it's so sad. Yeah. For those that don't know, the garage has currently canceled all of its upcoming sessions and is planning to restart in September, but after discussion with its founders. Yeah. And it's because of low numbers. And Hannah Keel sent out a really lovely, honest email to all of its members last month. And it's really sad. Yeah, it's sad. She basically is questioning whether the structure of the garage and how it runs every day or every week if the community needs it anymore. So, yeah. Do we need like an open space for people to practice teaching or to work out ideas? Do we need space for more choreography and collaboration? Is it a weekly thing? How, like, how do we structure this that it best benefits the community? Also, it needs funding. Yeah. Also, it needs funding and charging. It should be getting funding too, by the way. Like if, I mean, the garage has brought so many choreographers and creators together in this community that it's I, created so many connections for us alone. For, totally, and so much networking opportunities and just meeting new people and experiencing other people's art. So, let us know your opinions, your thoughts. Um, we're still a little bit shocked, so we're still trying to gather our own thoughts and feelings about it. So, hit us up um, if you guys have anything that you want to add to that. Yeah, DM us on Instagram. Send us an email at galpalprods at gmail.com or Facebook us. Mm-hmm. Also, our first quarterly newsletter goes out the last week of March. And it's going to have shows that you can attend. It's going to have additions that are open calls. It's going to have um, spotlights on our past guests and all tons of fun information. So you don't want to miss out on that. And it's not going out every month. It's only going out or like every fucking day, like some people. <laughs> um, it's only going out uh, four times a year, so yeah. go check it out, subscribe, and we'd really like to start a discourse. Yeah. Um, this week we have Peter Kelly on the podcast, and we just want to thank him in advance for being so vulnerable and open and um, honest. Honest. He talks about himself. He talks about his past. He talks about what he's going through, and he talks about new blue and the future of new blue so um keep a listen it's a good one thank you guys so much and we'll catch you later here we go so i'm peter kelly i'm 24 years old born in guelph ontario but now i live in toronto 
Um, I'd love to live in Vancouver one day. And yeah, I'm a dancer, choreographer, teacher, I'd say artistic director and producer. I have an interest in photography and videography. I'm the artistic director of New Blue Emerging Dance, an organization that supports emerging dance artists. And I'm a dancer at Toronto Dance Theatre, full time. Um, so how is your season of TTT going? Very good. Yeah, it's um, a busy one for sure, especially this last month. It's been uh, really hectic with the project we were working on. Mm-hmm. Um, with slow dance and the shape we are in. Um, but we're just moving on to um, Persephone songs. So we're into the production end of things because we did a um, big creation chunk in the fall. So we're coming back, remounting it, and then bringing it to the Fleck mm-hmm. Dance Theatre, which will be nice. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good year for me to just chill out. And I finally feel like I've found my place there mm-hmm. over the last four this is the fourth season already is this your oh, fourth really? season yeah it's crazy oh, shit i know crazy. i was, I was, I was like, gonna be your first season with tdt i was right? gonna ask if, you're, if it was your second but <laughs> it's my fourth. next year will be my fifth season that's crazy wow is that nuts i know so it, it's been <laughs> believe me i'm like what wow yeah so it's been really nice like i find it this this season i found like whoa i'm really settled mm. like i do feel like i've I've hit a stride and I can understand the movement vocabulary because I also didn't go to the school, like the School of Toronto Dance Theatre. So by me, um, like it took me a few years to even understand what a double bounce was properly (laughs) or like these kind of terms. Like I did have some training, but yeah, it's taken me a while to really feel comfortable in like a dance class, like being able to get from the beginning to the end without like second guessing my dancing or whatever so especially with so many dancers there that did go through that whole yeah, program and they're all incredible and I'm like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> they're so good I'm yeah just like, ah. so this is your fourth season yeah and we were just talking about like your kind of some health issues that you've had yeah. in the past how was it negotiating all of your health problems and issues and the ups and downs of that while dancing full-time with the company uh, it I will say it was quite difficult, especially last year. So last year was the 50th anniversary. Yeah. And we went on a big tour um, to like South America mm-hmm. and then across Canada. And you guys and went up north. We went up north, yeah. like to the Yukon mm-hmm. in the middle of March. Oh my God, your skin. 40. <laughs> yeah. So my skin definitely went through a lot on top of that. Um, because you're on tour, you're kind of just eating whatever you can find in these places. So yeah. sometimes it's like a convenience store for lunch or <laughs> if you're like way up in the boonies and you're just driving somewhere or an airport food or Tim Hortons. and or, or you go to like a local restaurant, which is fine. But when you're at the local restaurant with all your friends, you tend to order like the fried chicken sandwich with the fries and like <laughs> you all are drinking. And so I, I definitely put my body through a lot last year. And then I was also taking, like, I had, you know, lower leg pain and stuff, so I was taking, like, lots of Advil and Tylenol, you know, anything you can get. And then I got a stomach ulcer. And, like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> I was just, like, trying to manage all the symptoms at once, and it right. was really not good. So last year was really difficult, and that's kind of, um, was kind of the tipping point for me, being like, I, I really need to change something, because... It's also really embarrassing when like you have 
dry skin because I suffer from eczema, like pouring off your face. With the makeup too. Yeah, and so I would like scrub like every day, probably every two hours, scrub it all off. And then it'd just be red and exposed. And then you put on like a crap ton of ointment or like shea butter or something to just kind of like keep it in. But then you're trapping in like dirt and like it just, it's it was not a good cycle I was yeah. on in a way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and and also like partnering with people, like I don't know, it always, it's always awkward sometimes when they're like looking at your hands or whatever. Or, yeah. And I have like splits or I'm bleeding and I'm like have tape everywhere trying to like not like get it more infected or something. Right. So. And you're so close to each other, like in proximity. Yeah, yeah. In dancing and also just in rooms sharing. Totally. Together. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was really difficult on a personal level. How was it from like a direction standpoint, like the company itself, when you were like, I can't do something or I'm like sick? Yeah. You know? So I, I didn't really ever tell them oh. because there is like... I don't know, I feel like there's a bit of a pressure with totally. doing those oh, types yeah. of work yes. where um, I feel like I have to be at my best all the time, even when I'm not. And that's something I, I mean, I should have probably spoken up a bit. There were times when I, like with my leg pain, I never really told them that I was in like a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone had injuries and different things we were dealing with, and it was chronic kind of stuff. And I would go into Cairo and physio massage. I set up a, an appointment of every city we were in and stuff. So I was trying to stay on top of it. But yeah, I never really talked to the the management team or director, artistic director or rehearsal directors about anything I was really going through. I did, when it got bad with my stomach ulcer, I did tell them mm-hmm. only because um, I had to go for tests and stuff. And then there was... I ended up having colon tumors. I found I had colon tumors, which was a whole other situation. (laughs) So like by having this and they found that I had other, because I was having a lot of symptoms and I was just like, and I'm a pretty really reliable person. So I just never sat out or I just did everything and pushed myself, pushed myself, pushed myself. But at the end of the day, I was like, whoa, I need to (laughs) figure out what's going on. So I did tell them about the colon tumors and the other things I was going through just because I had to maybe miss a rehearsal mm. or something just for a test, but I'm all fine now. So right. <laughs> I actually ended up finding out I had an infection from a reaction to a drug I had, which was which caused all these symptoms. Through that. <laughs> yeah, which actually ended up causing the, the stomach ulcer too. I mean, the medication, like the Advil and stuff didn't help at all, but... right. It was actually probably caused by this infection that was just like raging through my body for the last year. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. And on top of all that, last year you also lost your dad. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a fucking year, I'll tell you that. What an awful sorry. year! Wow. <laughs> so sorry. No, it was terrible. Like it was, it was, it was this weird thing because. I I never traveled. I never went on a plane. Like oh it was my very first time leaving Ontario really, like mm-hmm. in a plane like dancing. So it was like I I mean I couldn't be any happier. Like I finally hit kind of the this is exactly what I wanted to do, yeah, right? right? Like go and travel the world, dance. Like it's it was kind of perfect, right? So it was amazing experience for me to like grow and learn about different yeah it was just like a very big learning experience for my life and I was really happy 
by going on this huge tour and mm -hmm. it brought a lot of perspective to what I've been doing in Toronto. And then I had all, on top of all that, all the health issues. And then closer to the end, I put on my festival, which was in June. So I usually... Which is New Blue. New Blue, yeah. yeah. So New Blue Emerging Dance. We, I worked all year with TDT and then put on my own festival thing. Mm -hmm. And then one week later on Father's Day, my dad passed away. So it was like this happy... It's just, it was a really weird place where happiness and grief collide, like mm -hmm. full on, because I came off this high from New Blue. I came off this high from touring. I was struggling with the health stuff, but I kind of got it under control by the time New Blue came around. And then that, that whole thing happened and threw my whole life into a tailspin for a good few months there. Oh so yeah, it was very... It was a very weird year, I will say that. Yeah. Like, But with my dad passing away, it did bring even more perspective to what I've been doing and what is actually important to me and what isn't. Yeah. Because um, I am a workaholic. I love helping out people and trying my best to like create an open, inclusive community for people. But I also realized that by doing that, I've completely neglected me, yeah. <laughs> my health, for sure my mental health 100% for sure. I just signed up for counseling. I start next week. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just like just starting these kinds of therapies and um, things and I got the nutritionist now as of October and a personal trainer. So I'm just trying to focus on me and less about others at this time. It's not that I don't do other work and things mm -hmm. for others, but I'm really cutting back just the little odd end jobs here and there that were not adding any value to my life. Right. It was giving me an extra $50, but I'd rather... And, you know, eight hours less sleep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was a weird year for sure, but I'm working through it. Yeah, you're focusing on you. Yeah, it's the main one. <laughs> um, you just talked about how you really, like, you love doing things with other people, and now you need to focus on you, but where do you think all of that stemmed from? Like, have you always felt like you needed to take care of people in your life? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was that, I mean, I'm definitely an overachiever. So I was that kid. I didn't miss, like, as of grade seven all the way through high school, I didn't miss one day of school. I didn't miss one class in college. I got perfect attendance for all of that. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to look. <laughs> so I. I was probably hung I'm, over for half the time. <laughs> so I'm definitely a overachiever in that sense. But I'm also like in high school, I was in all the clubs. I managed all of the, you know, I was the student trustee, student senate. So I did miss classes, but they're all excused right. for like reasons within yeah. like the structure of the school or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean. I did all that kind of stuff. So I was always the person with the kind of creative entrepreneurial spirit to kind of help people out and in every single hand in every little pot I could mm -hmm. get myself into, like volleyball team, soccer, mm -hmm. you name it, I was doing it. Um, so when I went to college and I came to Toronto, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with dance because I did struggle like, I didn't think I'd be a dancer. I actually wasn't even interested in dancing for other people. <laughs> was that why you just had to go to George Brown instead of any other school? Um, it was or? the only program I wanted to go to. Mm. It was the only place I auditioned for. I actually got scholarships to go to school for restaurant management and um, that kind of stuff. 
And then I was like, you know what, I'll just audition for George Brown just for shits, just to see what happens. <laughs> and I got in. I was like, you know what, I'll give this a shot. It's just two years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, was I mean, it will help me. I'll learn something from it. <laughs> and then in school, I definitely was struggling with, like, okay, do I start something like New Blue or, like, because I don't think I'm going to dance. No one's going to hire me. And mm. I don't think, like, I want to do my own choreography. So I thought if I start an organization, I might be able to, like, eventually turn that into a little bit of a moneymaker mm-hmm. and turn that into something I could live off of a bit. And it's still within the dance realm. So, yeah, I think I've definitely, like, when I was younger, I was always that kid that helped people out and was, like, very kind loving person that just like mm-hmm. would do kind of everything so it definitely stemmed into my choices in college and where I wanted to go and um it's brought me to where I am now sitting here mm-hmm. so yeah. I why guess do you it think worked. no one would hire you oh I didn't think I was a good dancer at all and I still don't think so like <laughs> I was I, gonna say just like a second ago you were just saying that you like didn't think you were no. Good and, t- in, and you're in the company. I know. I literally, okay. But I also, I, I, I don't know if you two also know this, but I've had two reconstructive hip surgeries. And like, so I was in Sick Kids and McMaster Children's Hospital, mostly at McMaster Children's Hospital for like two years, like in and out oh. and all kinds of appointments and stuff. And I had these two major surgeries. And I was like one of nine people at the time to have this type of surgery. So I didn't have to have like a traditional hip replacement like they would do. They, um, it's done arthroscopically, and they put in resin, and they paralyze you for a month, and they shave your God. bone. It was this very intensive surgery. How old um, were you? I was uh, my first one. I was just turned seventeen, and my second one at eighteen, I think. Okay. It was between the ages of sixteen, eighteen, really, mm-hmm. where when it all was kind of happening. Um, so when I finished that, like, I didn't dance for probably two or three years. Mm-hmm. Like, a chunk there where I stopped dancing, I had these surgeries. So I didn't think that I would be able to dance. Mm. So that's why I knew George Brown had a good ballet program. It was just two years. I didn't want to waste four years at a university program. Or I didn't want to go to STDT because it was gram and they sit in the floor in these, like, weird positions that I can't do. So hard hips. on your hips already. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, and I got the, I was, I got some scholarships to go to school and I was pretty much set on doing that. And then I was like, you know what, I'll try auditioning because I haven't danced in three years. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned for George Brown and I actually got in and it was the first time I danced in like three years. My mom bought me a whole new ballet outfit <laughs> with the white socks, the white ballet shoes, the black tights. Your mom's the, the best. Yeah. So <laughs> my whole family, we drove down to George Brown and we auditioned and I got in on the spot, which was cool. So I said, you know what, I'll do this. It will only help me strengthen my hips. So that was kind of the idea was that, okay, I want to be in the arts. I'm not going to be able to dance. I don't know how long these hips are going to last. So what else can I do from this? Um, but yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm dancing now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how are the hips? Are they working for you? They're working enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're okay. They're, they're not perfect by any means. I have like zero... I probably have negative internal... Like, I can't get my left leg to parallel. Um, you probably can't tell when I dance, but... Interesting. Like, I can't... I have no internal rotation on my left. Maybe 10 degrees on my right, which is not a lot at all. Like, you should... Right. You should have the same amount you have on internally and externally. Yeah. yeah. I, have ex- I have a lot externally, but, like, none internally. Mm. 
Wow. It's like really painful and I can't get my knee up past 90 without it like pinching at the hip in a parallel position. Mm. So, so you have to turn up. Yeah. So like I like turn out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good because a lot of dance is. Especially yeah. Graham. Like yeah. turned out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I can't sit on my sit bones. I've lost all my flexibility in my lower half of my body. I have a really flexible upper body. Mm-hmm. So it's caused a lot of imbalances because my back's so flexible and my hips are so tight that my back compensates a lot. But it's like all over the place and I injure it. And like, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's part of it. And they're okay. And I think I'm going to probably get another surgery on my left eventually I don't know when mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to see a doctor in six months just to because I I don't want it to get any worse than it is mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. yeah no they're really good you wouldn't know no like considering it, they're not that much they're not super painful does anymore. it ever cause any problems when you're learning rap yes so that's like the main thing. Should we explain what rep is? Oh yeah, sorry, repertoire. Yes. So when you're learning choreography that's already been produced. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's mainly what we do at Toronto Dance Theater. Yeah. <laughs> Not mainly. I will, I will say mainly. Lots of room. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we we've definitely moved away from a lot of that too. But a big portion of our season mm-hmm. often is remounting something that was done in the '80s or '90s or mm-hmm. earlier, or even just something from last year or something. So. With repertoire and my hips and my body, what I found is that the dancers that were dancing 30 years ago that were remounting danced differently and were trained differently. Mm-hmm. Totally. So all, even the, the entire company, we were different dancers and we think differently. And, we, and obviously that will happen from year to year. But there is a big drastic shift, especially at TDT, that I found with where the company was back then and where it is now. So... For anyone, it's a big shift. But for me, I, I can't get into half the positions these people mm. can get into. Now, like, I don't, I don't whine about it. I don't, like, bring it up in rehearsal or anything. I just try my best to, like, make the position work for my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky that at TDT and Christopher and Rose, who are the rehearsal director and artist director, they do allow space for you to find it for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not as regimented in what the person on the video is doing. Like, right. there is some flexibility in how you can incorporate and make it work for you. Mm-hmm. So I've never found, like, I've been limited. But I will say, like, my entire... Because I also teach a lot, and I love doing workshops and stuff, and my teaching practice, and my practice in general, is around unlocking individual movement potential. And because I've been so restricted in my range of motion in my hips, I've I've been really focused on trying to unlock as much... Um, flexibility and mobility in my entire body mm-hmm. and using shapes and um, positions and um, orientations to where the audience is right. to hide the fact that it may not have flexibility in one area but I can show it in another way right. or strength or whatever so um, yeah so I think that's kind of like a mantra that I've been really sticking to lately mm-hmm. um, just like unlocking your potential and the dancers I'm teaching or mm-hmm. individually but there's no resentment from directors or anything about not being able to no and they I think they forget that I even have these surgeries or yeah. these limitations honestly right um, and I do too like I I don't really <laughs> I think also I think if you're going to do a remount you have to understand it's not going to be it can't be the same yeah <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah no he's going to be able to have that essence and... no no 
Yeah. So it was going to change. Every single time they did it also yes. was different, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And it was probably made on their bodies. and Yeah. You, know, yeah. you have to understand well, that it's, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Right. Right. So you've had lots of um, physical health problems. <laughs> yeah. How's your mental state, Peter? Yeah. Fragile. <laughs> um, I love you. Oh, man. Oh, where do I start? Um, oh, it's just there's so much stress and being sick. I mean, a, an artist and a dancer and yes. sick and if your physical body is sometimes failing you your mental body sometimes oh, yes. can't pick itself up it's and it gets difficult for sure i and i suffer from like severe amount of anxiety and i've done that my entire life like mm-hmm. i literally went to a counselor therapist twice a week since grade two. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just part of my <laughs> way of living. Like, it's just what I did. I just like talking to people. It was good for me. So I did that all the way through elementary school, through high school, college. They had therapists. And then I stopped because they're expensive mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. You, when they're not subsidized by the school you're in. <laughs> <laughs> so in the last three years, it was, I was kind of living this fantasy because my career just kind of, I felt like it kind of shot off and I was doing lots of things and I was getting lots of opportunities. And so I didn't, I actually was kind of on this fake high for probably three years of like, Why do you call it a fake high? Because I really wasn't now looking back. Oh. (laughs) Like where I thought everything was okay and I was working myself to like the absolute limit. And I thought that's what it meant to be an artist was like struggling until like you no longer... (laughs) <laughs> like a person anymore yeah which is part of it and I mean um was that part like part of a coping mechanism for not having that su- therapy support yes therapist support? it definitely mm-hmm. was and it and it's a it's a coping mechanism for me because I also don't I'm good at like connecting with people for sure but I don't really have close friends I don't like for those three years I don't go out and like I didn't ever went out to like to the club or like hung out with people. I don't just hang out with people for the sake of hanging out. There's always a, hey, do you want to help me with this? Or let's Mm -hmm. build a website. Or like there's always some work thing involved in it. Mm -hmm. Even my very close friends, which I don't really have many, Mm -hmm. are still always around some kind of thing that I'm working (laughs) on. (laughs) Right. Um, So for those three years, it was very much like that. Just the people who were around me were people I was engaging with for work. Mm-hmm. whatever my work was at that moment. Um, and then this last year with all my health stuff and then my dad passing away, I was, I nearly, and I nearly didn't even do the festival last year because I was so drained. Yeah, I want to talk New about that. Year. Yeah. <clears throat> I was so drained from the second, from the second year because the second year was really great and we got a grant and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but I really didn't, it was it was terrible after like I, I just like I remember coming off of the second festival and like my whole summer was like I was super depressed and I didn't realize I was depressed until after now thinking back but I was like whoa mm-hmm. this was like terrible I did nothing the entire summer but just like mope around because I just I gave too much and I didn't give anything back to me you were just exhausted yeah I was absolutely mentally and physically exhausted it was terrible so yeah I think when, since my dad passed away, like it certainly, lots of few months there it was really difficult, and I'm working through it now. But I've realized how how much like 
I wasn't really honest with myself with where my mental health was those the last four years really um, and now I'm making the change mm -hmm. for the better so I mean it took me that crazy journey to get where I am now and it hurts because I I am like we're not doing a festival this year oh we're not like I'm not I can't I just can't do a lot of these things I just mm -hmm. if I do it I'm gonna have a complete breakdown because mm -hmm. I've been very close to having a lot of these like episodes so and it hurts my ego and I, I don't think I have a, a big ego and I try not to like because I like helping people mm -hmm. I, I don't like to think of it that way but it, it does hurt me a bit to say that and to like because it's my baby that I've like kind of fostered yeah, of with my friends and something we've built up but it's not going away and it's not dead it's just we're just shifting focus for now and right you know just because we don't do a festival doesn't mean the organization isn't active because mm -hmm. we're still doing residencies and different things right now so yeah but it does hurt me a bit because it was it's a bit of like yeah it's my baby yeah <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah my, my mental health is getting there I say like, yeah I'm, I'm making changes slowly and I'm starting back to the therapist very soon and I'm hoping I'll start to figure out and answer a lot of questions that I've had over the last few years and especially in relationship to my dad and mm -hmm. my queerness and there's right. like so many things that need to be talked about because yeah. <laughs> my dad also didn't know I was gay and like there's just lots there. Yeah. There's lots there that needs yeah. to be unpacked. Can we, can we talk about that for a yeah, second? Because yeah. we've had this conversation um, before mm -hmm. about a work that you've been thinking about doing. Um, and do you want to just talk about that? Yeah. So the, where do I start? <laughs> um, okay. So my whole thing right now is that I'm really interested in nudity and in um, consent-driven um, performative work or work that like, can live in a gallery where people can come and witness stuff. And it's all driven from kink and bondage and fetish kinds of communities. Mm -hmm. So I have this whole realm of work that most people don't even know I do mm -hmm. and I'm actively exploring like quite often and I make films and I've shown them in New York and different places and but no one knows I'm doing this because the the branding and the image I have in Toronto is very much like oh goody goody good like mm -hmm. he's so like smiles and <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know I feel this is kind of the thing that I'm putting out there is that I'm or I was for the last few years, that I am a happy person and I like doing, like helping people out and making this festival. And my all of my Instagram posts for the last three years were pretty like PG. And mm -hmm. then I kind of was like, you know what? Why am I hiding this whole side of me that is very much me? Mm -hmm. So I kind of just started posting more photos and nudity stuff through and it's all through an artistic lens and not just you know doing whatever <laughs> promoting X2, tea fit tea yeah or whatever so <laughs> yeah um so i am working on a solo um that is really driven around um 
a lot of different themes and it's shifted every time I've performed it and especially since my dad passed away like I'm just getting more and more information on what the solo is actually about because mm-hmm. at first I thought it was around ma- like toxic um, masculinity and then then it sort of shifted into like my sexuality mm-hmm. in more of a broader sense and then it's now shifted into like <laughs> my sexuality but how I am out, but I'm still not actually out because mm. I've, I'm out to like a general population, but I haven't actually opened up the whole second door of all this other queerness stuff I'm exploring. Like, I don't oh, feel okay. like I'm fully showcase me as like a yeah. true person. Do you think that's because you never came out to your dad or what you... Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that's, that's one, that's actually one, um, example of mm-hmm. the problem is that I haven't been true to myself or to my loved ones or to my friends and family or to anyone mm-hmm. because I really am a very sexual person I really enjoy open conversations around sexual health and consent informed mm-hmm. play and relationships um but a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm starting to drop hints on my Instagram. But, like, <laughs> if you don't follow me on Instagram, then, like, you wouldn't know this, you know? P.S. Follow you on Instagram. Yeah, follow me on Instagram. You get a journey. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing this performative work. Um, I've showcased it in a few places, just nothing, nowhere in Toronto. Right. I'm just, it's really hard to find a place for this in Toronto. On top of this, I also teach a crap ton at little like dance studios here and there around Ontario. I do comp choreography, mm-hmm. I judge competitions. And it's right. a very big part of me too. Like, I love teaching and children, and like, it's, and just, it just fuels me. Like, mm-hmm. it's my, one of my favorite things to do. I wouldn't want to do it maybe on a regular basis. I like going mm-hmm. in more workshops and just right, like right. teaching them offhandedly but you know and then their moms or dads follow me on instagram and it's so it's this weird balance of like how do i how do you become how do you f- not saying that like nudity isn't being a role model but how do you be a role model for these children yeah but young impressionable yeah. impressionable people yeah but there's so much like stigma and assumptions that people make about kink and bdsm yes. and yeah. leather and all of those things you can't if the com- yeah, people look at those things as weird and as crazy, and yes. there must be something wrong with you if you enjoy something like that. And so, but everybody's kinky, right? Like, <laughs> yes, everyone, has, <laughs> but everyone no, has something. But no one yes. will talk about it. Yeah, but no one likes to talk about it. The and kink no, is in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and no one likes to talk about it. And people don't necessarily want to know about other people's yeah. kinks, right? And so, I think there's a lot of like public shame. Mm-hmm attached to that mm-hmm. right and, completely agree yeah and there's a lot of public shame around that and like people even like sex clubs like oasis and you say something like that and it's like so scandalous mm-hmm. they're like but it's not actually about like having sex with strangers or doing crazy things even if that's like what you want it's about being in a place that is consent focused and open and honest, liberating and liberating mm-hmm. and you can just do yourself you can just go sit naked in a hot tub and or you can go in a bathing suit and it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's the, what is that space about? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you also, I think a big misconception is that 
BDSM and kink and bondage and all of these kind of fetish realm of work is that it's often you don't have sex. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Like, I think, like, people seem to think that a lot of kinks are sex-focused, and they are. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot can of mine be. can be, and but a lot of people, it's complete, like, they're completely separate. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they don't engage in any nudity when they're playing with rope and rope play and bondage. Some people just like being suspended from the ceiling with rope. Right. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about being tied up or it's about giving yeah. over control to yes. someone that you trust mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, we're going to have sex. Yeah, yeah. Right. and yeah. the thing with all this is, is that you actually have more control. As and that's the why, sub. Yes, yeah. and that's why I actually enjoy this kind of play because whether or not I'm having sex or whatever, that doesn't really matter to me. It's, it's that I actually can curate the experiences I want hmm. and can truly have consensual control on what the outcome of this situation is going to be. Because I've been in too many situations where you do just randomly hook up with some random fucking person, and it's just terrible. It's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't bring... You just feel like shit after, and okay, yeah, you got off, but like, what is that going to do beyond... You go jerk off. Yeah, literally. That's the know. lesson you should be posting on your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have sex with random. Don't have sex with random. <laughs> yeah. Curate those Unless sessions. you want to, then I guess do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I've been really struggling and trying to find a place for my performative work and my photography and videography mm-hmm. that is in this realm of um, nudity kind of play within the realm of work that I do with Toronto Dance Theatre, because I am a public figure mm-hmm. and I do represent the company as much as I'm not the artistic director. I do represent the company. And then I also represent um, New Blue, which is very emerging and youth-focused. Mm-hmm. And then I also do a lot of teaching. And where do I find this realm of work? And I've noticed that the where I can showcase this is outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I just don't publicize it to Toronto people. Right. I would like that to, I'd eventually like to get there, but I'm only 24. I got a long time to like mm-hmm. carve out my own community within Toronto right, right. to do that. So I don't need to make it happen overnight, but I am realizing it's really important to me and it needs to, I don't want to push it away right. because I tried pushing it away for too long and wasn't honest with my friends and family about my sexuality and my desires around um, these things. And now I'm going to see a therapist. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. <laughs> um, so this type of work, you don't think it's at this point, it's not ready to be showcased in Toronto. Is it strictly because because of this these figures, and you're not ready yet, or is it because do you think the environment that Toronto is right now in the artistic community, or both? Um, I'm ready. Like I don't really give a shit what people think anymore. Yeah, that's what I've realized since my dad passed away. It's mm-hmm. like why am like life's too short. Mm-hmm. Just fucking do what you need to do. But I will say I don't think Toronto's ready. And I don't think there's a really a true, like a big community that's interested in this work. Mm-hmm. So me being the entre- entrepreneurial kind of spirit I am, I'm thinking of maybe curating events or somehow starting workshops with practitioners that are teaching workshops in BDSM and consent and kink. Mm. But I want to bring that to the arts community. Hmm. Because dance and choreography, like the relation between choreographer 
and dancers is the same relationship as a choreo- is a dominant and a yeah. submissive personality yeah. or There's whatever your relationship thing. is. Yeah. And I think we're all trying to work away. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I think a big part of the community is trying to take away the um, hierarchical kind of standing within choreographer and, mm-hmm. and it's way more collaborative and it's similar within BDSM and I think there's a lot of great practitioners in Toronto um, in the BDSM community that are teaching workshops around those kinds of consent driven practices so mm-hmm, right. I thought that might be a good way to start a conversation and open the door around the um, the similarities between performance work and mm. kink and stuff so yeah. yeah, I'm in no rush mm. as much as I want to be because it's like, oh, I, I know I have something great or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, right. we're all passionate about our own stuff. Like, y'all <laughs> just think it's gold. <laughs> you know, it's a fucking piece of shit. But, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, whatever. Just, I'll just keep, I have a private website, like, section on my website that I post to, and I have people who are interested in that, and they, they can just email me and access it and see what I've been working on. But, yeah, I think it will come in time. And I just don't think Toronto's ready. As liberal as Toronto is, sex positivity is something else. Yeah. Right? And the BDSM and King community in Toronto is still very small. Yes. They have a bigger community in Vancouver, actually. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Montreal. Vancouver. Montreal is pretty good, but Vancouver is a pretty big, like, King community. Really? (laughs) And they have, like, full, um, like, they have, like, stores dedicated. I mean, we have some on this... Like, there's a few in the city, but not like Vancouver. They have, like, they have a full festival dedicated around it and stuff. Toronto's just not there. And there's the Black Eagle, and that's very specific to one type of um, community. And they do some workshops there, and there are some people in the city that do Mm. some workshops around different things. But it's not, I don't know, it's not as open. Mm -hmm. Like, like here, this is the thing. It's kind of like... You have to be welcome to the club yeah. <laughs> to mm-hmm. kind of get access. Right. For Vancouver, it seems to be more like... Out there. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> like everything in Vancouver. It's just like, yeah. ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mountains. Let's just walk through the sand and their bare feet. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about the opportunities New Blue has been offering? In this past season, in yeah. the past? Um, yeah, so I started New Blue right out of school because I didn't think I was going to get a job. Hmm. And then within the same month of me launching New Blue, I got TDT, <laughs> which is great, <laughs> ama- amazing, and I love it, but I was like, shit, <laughs> I have two full-time jobs. Um, so it, was, it used to be just a festival in our first year, and then I kind of decided that I wanted to switch it more to a organization that's supporting emerging artists year-round mm-hmm. with ending with a major kind of festival. So the focus is still the festival for sure, but um, so in the last few years we've presented work at like Dance Ontario Dance Weekend. Um, so I've curated a slot there. Um, we've done a lot of residencies. We've partnered with Cage of the Dance and did a Creative Risk residency. We've done a Contact Dance residency with another organization in the city. Um, We've partnered with FORM, which is Festival Recorded Movement, um, a few times. Um, so in the last few years, we've kind of explored a bunch of different options. We've done pop-up creative pads, so small four-hour residencies, and kind of different showings and performative stuff. So 
workshops, lots of workshops too. Um, this season, um, we did the Creative Risk Residency with Cages. So we had two artists for that. Um, and then we're showcasing their work at Wind Down Dance, mm. which is um, the Cages. Um, Kind of, in February, right? Yeah, it's yeah. they're like showing. Yeah. They, yeah. they do it at Dover Courthouse. It's like a showing for a bunch of different artists that they're working with and mm. stuff like that. So that's happening. Um, we showcased um, an artist at Dance Ontario Dance Weekend just this past weekend, actually. Um, we also did... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. the Which was kind of exciting. So... Form Festival Recorded Movement has a touring program called Moving Forward, and they asked New Blue if we would be the Toronto stop. So we would um, we were going to rent like a a movie theater, and we were going to put on an event to showcase all these films that they've curated, and they're different artists from across Canada. Um, so that was going to happen, and then I got an email from Progress Festival, which is a festival run by Summerworks Performance Festival and Theatre Centre, because I, I work for Summerworks every summer usually. Oh, cool. So Laura knew that I was interested in like presenting and curatorial work, mm -hmm. so she offered or asked me if I'd be interested in showcasing this, um, this event at her festival, like at the festival between the theater center and summer works called progress festival so i said sure so now we're presenting we're the presenting partner for summer works and theater center at progress festival to showcase moving forward which was curated by festival recorded movement wow so the big thing <laughs> we're kind of like yeah we're helping like kind of connect the dots with that yeah so that's happening um february 9th soon actually Pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in five days, four, six days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's February, that. guys. Yeah, it's February. It's fucking January took forever, and it's February now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's happening, which is kind of fun. Um, and then we were just at On The Move, like Alex, another team member, sat on the move, and she was handing out um, kind of one-hour free consultations with me. Um, like cards that so anyone at on the move um, could reach out to me and if they want to have ask questions about stuff um, they can get a free hour session with me so I'm just trying to still keep new blue a bit active on social media but we're not going to have a big festival at the end of the year I think if we do something because we do have a few artists that I still um, that we still have in residencies and we're doing a some just random small residencies that are no one really knows that are happening. I'm just kind of providing money and resources for. I do want to showcase them, so we might do maybe one night in a theater just mm -hmm. to showcase yeah. what they've worked on or whatever, but um, I'm not even sure yet. I'm, I'm going to see how that might work, and it might not be in June. It might be in September or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure yet. So, yeah, not, not, a, not as much is happening this year as previous years, but I think that's okay because we're mm -hmm. just in a transition and trying to figure out and trying to also questioning whether the the model of New Blue and the festival itself is what actually best serves the community and whether right. we need something more developmental, mm -hmm. like a, like more of a development platform 
which I think is there. And I was, I actually applied for a grant for the OAC to add a full week before the festival. So I was eventually was hoping to have a festival for a week, but the week before would be, um, for all the artists, would be workshops around mm -hmm. lighting design and a workshop mm -hmm. around art, like, and workshops for also, for also the technicians, because all of our team is emerging too. So right. it wouldn't be just the, mm. just for the artists themselves, it would be for the entire um, community to make productions happen and stuff. So we didn't get that grant, so you know, it didn't happen. But <laughs> I'm also been, I've been looking at the model of what's happened in the last few years, and we've exploded into a seven-day massive thing that... Now I'm just trying to think of like, okay, how can I wheel this back in and make it a bit more um, curated finally? And mm -hmm. yeah, because I see there's big, obviously there's a bunch of shit with New Blue that needs to be fixed, like branding, marketing, but there's just, you know, I'm only one person and then I have like a few friends to help, but like, it's not, mm -hmm. you know, like we, we are, we're all super busy and work on other things. So we don't have the money to be, like I wish right. I could pay people to like actually Super do this social media and marketing and branding, and that you're fucking one person doing it all yourself. Yeah, that's not good for no. you. You, for, you no. can't put all of those expectations on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard enough doing your own fucking show. Like if it's your own thing, then at least you're like. But you know how terrible it is sometimes doing like. There's like 50 artists. And I'm building the website and like no promoting it, doing it all <laughs> no yourself. Yeah, like you do it all yourself, and then you're just like, why? If I put this time into my work, I'd be in Europe by this time. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be on tour. I'd be on tour. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm thinking about. It's like, but I mean, it's a, it's, it's me. I love helping people, and I wouldn't mm. never stop that. But it, it fucking drains you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you are looking at. Um, curating works what's something you look for oh okay so little disclaimer here I would say 90% or more of the stuff I see at New Blue I'm not that interested in personally mm -hmm. so going back to how we kind of curate most often there's been little exceptions just because of time and different things but we try to go about it in a way that is um, as fair as possible, but by still, by not making it a lottery, though. Because mm. that's the most, I would say, it's closer to the fairest kind of... Yeah. But then I find you can really get varying degrees of... Professionalism. Yes. <laughs> and I'm the one who has to deal with these people emailing. And, <laughs> right? Like, right. And yes. I'm not, it's not like fringe where I'm just giving them a venue and they can just go to shit. Like, yeah. there is things I need from these people yeah. <laughs> I have to deal with. So, um, we actually take Jaina as part of the team. She takes the names off of the um, applications and we don't look at the support materials. We just look at oh. the um, 250 word description of the piece they want to create or the piece that's being created or whatever just a description of mm. what they want to work on mm -hmm. and then the why new blue would be good for you it's just like 100 words or something mm -hmm. right so those are the only two things i will read and the team will read and from there we read them and we say oh this person seems really passionate and the quality seems good in their writing and like very clear on what they want to work on so we i solely base and curate the entire festival this way. <laughs> so yeah. I don't look at the videos. Yeah. I don't look at their names because far too often you hear about even people like I work at, like 
McDonald's and just because of the way their name is spelt, they get discriminated against right. or, oh, like I have friends and like, it's also such if, a small community. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> if I, if they apply, oh, I really like that artist. And but then that's what I want. And it's not about me. New mm-hmm. Blue was never about me because mm-hmm. if it was my own performative series, I wanted to curate, I'd call it PK curatorial right. bondage and then I just <laughs> create a bunch of you know what I mean like, yeah, okay. so totally. it's not actually right. about me at all yeah. it's never been about me so we do it that way so that we try to get as the, the fairest kind of thing but also still see the passion and the quality in it mm-hmm. um, and then so, we, so say we have, we have to pick 20 artists for a certain um, event we might pick 25 mm-hmm. And then from there, we'll look at the names and we'll look at the support material and we'll, we'll narrow it down if there's any, because sometimes the same person can apply twice with two different pieces. So it's like, oh, okay, right. we can't, yeah. we can't have them twice in the same kind of category or, oh, this person would like, um, oh, they're working together or then this one's solo. So we choose one of the two or whatever, just so it's fair. Um, but I think that's kind of the fairest way to do what, this is the fairest way I found to do it, mm-hmm. but by still, um, getting a good kind of quality and passion Mm -hmm. and it worked I think like we've had a a fairly diverse um, festivals which I'm really trying to focus on and um, and quality stuff and passionate people and do I like a lot of it no do I see the passion and the quality yes so that's all what matters to me Right. If it's helping you getting to where you want to go, then that's all that right. matters. That's like part of the reason you developed it in the first place. Yeah. 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 Because it's not about me. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I might feel good like standing up there and being like, woo, we did this. But it was like, okay, great. On to the next. Yeah. <laughs> so, God. yeah. Did I answer your question? No, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Please? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't finish. Jeez. <laughs> I literally, like, question every day. I've been looking into different, like, programs and careers going to, like, I am 100%. This is, like, all a bit too much. So, yeah, I'm not, I don't know what the future will hold for me. Like, I'm honestly thinking about, like, making my way out of this community. Oh, wow. Um... Which is weird because people are like, because you, I'm you like, found so much success in it and yeah. you feel happy about it, yeah. But it's but it's fake success. But so, does it support the life that you want? Exactly. Right. So, and I mean, it's not fake success. I mean, I, yes, I've hit some strides, but it's not the life I want necessarily. Like, it's not what what may seem successful to you two to me isn't successful, and right. I, I and it's something I struggle with because I push myself constantly and I'm like an overachiever to the max so nothing's good enough for me mm-hmm. <laughs> like so it, which is which is a hard place to be and I need to also be content with just being 24 and being a dumbass that stays out till four o'clock in the morning like being human yeah because mm-hmm. I don't I never had that experience so and I've been incorporating that a little bit more in the last year and a half I'd say mm-hmm. um is it also hard yeah. because at some point, I'm sure you thought, oh, I want to be a dancer at TDT. And then this, this was like the dream. And then you got there. And now you're realizing you've changed over these years. And now, is that really what the dream... You worked these three years to get to this dream that you realized isn't really the dream that you wanted yeah. anymore. 
Yeah, so that's a hard realization. Yes, that's a very hard realization. <laughs> and like, what, what I'll say to that is that, that for sure, that is certainly a part of what happened and what is happening at the moment. Like, mm-hmm. I really like when I auditioned for the company. I went with Shaquille, which was my boyfriend at the time, and. He just asked me to come. Like, I wasn't that... I never thought in a million years I'd get into this company. Like, I literally went to the audition just taking it as a dance class because mm-hmm. it's a free class. <laughs> then I got... You know, I stayed to the final round or whatever, and then I got asked to be in the company, and I was like, what? This is possible? So, I mean, like, talk about dreams coming true. Like, obviously, it was a bit in the back of my head being like, this would be, like, the most amazing thing. Mm-hmm. It would, like, launch my career. And it did, and it was amazing, and it's been amazing, and it's, I've learned so much, and I've improved so much as a dancer by being in this company. But now that I'm in it, and I think people often put me in this box that, like, they say, oh, you're so privileged to be in a company full-time, and oh, you make so much money, or oh, you do this, and oh, you do that. And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like I also, because I also have done a bit of freelance stuff and I understand the, the struggles with that mm-hmm. and balancing those types of, that way of working. But do you know, I fucking like, I wish I had the flexibility I, because I can't dance for other people when I'm on contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to ask permission and they sometimes will let you, but like you're working 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. Nice. dancing all day. I come home, I'm exhausted. Do you think I want to go to another rehearsal and, and get paid half as much? Yeah, and like, at all. yeah, or at all. Like, yeah. And then, then the other thing that I struggle with sometimes is that sometimes the work you're doing isn't like you're not as interested in it, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not it's not saying that it's not fulfilling, and I, I do love that, and I do love most of the work we do at TDT. It's not mm-hmm. really a huge issue, but there are moments when I'm like, I'm just questioning my training and like what else is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, yeah, like we get a salary and, you know, like a weekly or every two weeks, like a paycheck that comes in or whatever, which is nice. And the, the consistency of that is um, good, but it's actually not a lot of money <laughs> for the and hours, I, for the hours we, right. like we work, like it's not anywhere near cata rates. Like, which people would assume that it'd be like this high paying thing but it's like I can, I'm barely scraping by with what I'm getting paid and I actually make more money when I go teach in London, Ontario on the weekend I can pull out seven dollars to $800 if I charge them X amount of dollars so I'm there all day and I'm teaching little children tap dance yep. and you can charge a crap ton for competition work, yeah, right? yeah. But here's my travel time yeah. here's my stipend for the yeah. day exactly yeah. so it's this weird, like, I can make what I make in a week over there in a day. Yeah, yeah. it's a reality. So, <laughs> and I get mad because I'm like, fuck, like, I wish I had more flexibility to be able to do more because I feel like I can offer a lot more. And I wish I could spend more time on New Blue and actually cultivate relationships with other organizations and stuff. So I do feel really restricted sometimes within the structure of TDT and how it's running. But I also see the benefits because I am there for September until May usually mm-hmm. full time and I can have a, some insurance stuff and we get like a weekly thing and there's some stability there that me as a person really needs mm-hmm. um, because I really struggle with um, 
when I like when I don't have structure, I really get all over the place, like mental health wise. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I really need to like wake up in the morning, have somewhere to be. Like I need to fill yeah. my day and have it all structured in that way. So, um, and that's why I've been looking into other careers because once I'm out of TDT, if I don't get a job running like a festival or an organization or a TDT, like I could yeah. see myself in these kind of leadership roles. I think that's where my um, my personality are. and strengths are for sure. Um, I think I'm a nice person and open to like, I don't know. I think I have lots of ideas and pretty passionate about certain things. So I would, I hope one day I could run a something mm-hmm. like that, but I'm also looking into other options. Cause I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know where my career is going to go. And so it's just kind of, yeah. And it's just, it's fucking hard it's just fucking hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. And because I just, and then you have my own performative work. It's just like, oh, fuck, where is that going to go? <laughs> and then you got like little John Smith, little tap dancer in <laughs> Smithville, Ontario or whatever. And <laughs> teaching them cramp rolls for four hours. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot. Yeah. It can get a lot sometimes. Yeah, it's fucking killing me for sure. <laughs> that was a great answer. Yeah, it was great. Oh, thank you so much, Peter. No, thank you. That was great. It was amazing. That was amazing. And also, you shouldn't think all those things. You are all those things. Yes. So stop that. <laughs> Take your time this year and enjoy your yeah. summer. Yeah. I oh, I'm planning on that. Yeah. One of the hard things for like even me to realize when like producing your own stuff and wanting things to move at a certain pace that it's okay if it doesn't, yeah, right? And it's okay if things take time. Yeah. And to not, like, have that expectation where, like, like I was with our latest film, I'm like, why isn't it done yet? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we doing things? Why isn't anything happening? Yeah. But that's just, like, all of my own expectations on myself. Yes. Where, but that just, there's no reason for us to push it out right now. There's no nope. reason for us to, like... Mm-hmm. Make it happen at, overnight. Yeah, right. work yeah. at a pace that's, like, unsustainable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Sustainability... <laughs> seriously is the fucking word of the century yeah. for this planet <laughs> on all fronts like, yeah. we're not going to last in 100 years at this rate with this fucking global warming shit no no. but well, I mean what do I know <laughs> just a fucking artist <laughs> barely afford rent and food. That was, that's, I think that's how we're going to end it right there what the fuck do I know <laughs> amazing thanks Peter. thanks Peter thank you Uh, Thank you guys for listening so much. If you don't follow us already, go to our Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter, Twitter. all of the social media platforms. If you go right to our website, you can do a one-stop shop and hit all those things at once. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.